thank you for the season. We thank you for what it represents. We thank you for our time together here to look into the Word of God. We ask you to bless each and every individual here this morning. Bless us with your word, your spirit, your love, your grace, your goodness. Thy precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Turn to your friend next to you and shake their hand and greet them in Jesus' name. Praise God. And then you may be seated. God bless you. Last week I was talking about uh, the thing about how that God always blesses us financially if you do something for God and for others financially. And uh, you know I believe that, and many of you believe it, and, you, and it's evident by uh, your, uh, your giving in this church and so forth. And I told you a story about me giving this guy on the street five bucks and then going down to McDonald's and one of the sisters in the church here worked at McDonald's. I told you that story. I think I've told it a couple of times here to you. And uh, how that she paid for my home, or she didn't pay for it. She just had it. She, she could do that working there. She said, I have the right to do this and I'm going to give you a free meal today. Anyhow, I figured it all up and it cost me like, it would have cost me about $11 and some odd cents. And I said, you know what? I gave that guy $5 on the street and before the day's over here, I got somebody giving me a free meal for twice the amount, you know. Well, I didn't even ask for it. It just happened that way. In other words, God pays you back. The Bible says, he that giveth to the poor lendeth to God. It's like God gives it back. Well, this past week, I forgot what day it was, but my wife and I were together. This guy was asking for some money on the street corner. And I saw that he had a, a, a metal leg, you know. And my heart goes out to anybody that's handicapped. It, it just does. And uh, so uh, I didn't have anything on me. You know, and so I asked my wife, you got anything? She said, I got a $5 bill. I said, let's give that to him. So we gave him a $5 bill. Well, we went on and we went to Cracker Barrel for breakfast. You say, this is not true, Brother Mario. Yeah, it is. We got all through eating our big breakfast. It would have come to about $22, I think, with tip and coffee and everything, you know. And a little note came with the bill. It said, your bill has been paid. Have a happy day. Little smiley face. I said, who was this? I don't know. They're gone now. You know, they did. I have no idea. <laughs> but I'm just saying, folks, that, that scripture is true. Praise the Lord. I just had to pass along to you. Praise God. I mean, so this has happened to me t- twice. I'm not going to live by that because I'm going to say, okay, I guess I'm going to get a free bill out of this one. No. But I, I do know that God does do that. And he's showing me, of course that uh, he will bless if we will be honorable to him. All right, I want you to turn with me to, I have a very, very unusual uh, message here this morning in this Bible study. This is Christmas time. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And uh, I want to talk to you about something God has put on my heart for this class here this morning and for all of us. And I want you to look with me here in Luke chapter 2. And I want you to take note of what I'm going to point out here. I'm going to point out two contrasts to Christmas. The contrasts in the first Christmas. The contrasts in the first Christmas. And I want you to look at chapter 2. And I'm not going to read the first chapter of Luke or anything in that 
particular chapter it simply means the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said that you're going to have a child and that is born in her born in you should be of the Holy Ghost she said I don't know any man how can that be because she was a virgin he said that this shall be then you'll be overshadowed by the Holy Ghost and that shall be conceived in you shall be of the Holy Ghost so forth and then finally the time came and then of course the angel appeared to Joseph and Matthew he records in the first chapter of Matthew the angel appeared unto, unto Joseph in a dream and said don't fear to take Mary unto thee for their wife that is the espoused wife to be and everything for that that's in her is of the Holy Ghost and so he knew her not until after Jesus was born and of course the Bible brings all that out too and we're not interested in that part of it here today but when they had gone finally to Bethlehem and apparently no place was found for them to have a room you know because everybody had to go back to the town they were originally from they were lived in Nazareth but they went back to Bethlehem which is in the southern part of Israel they had quite a journey to go back there and it was required of, of Augustus Caesar for everybody to return back to their native towns where they could be counted for taxation purposes and so this was all this is all in history taxations at that time that's how we know about when Christ was born because of the taxation time that was in history and recorded and so forth here's what it says in verse 7 I'm looking at 2 7 stay with me on this because I've just given you a little background for what I want to really bring out to you here today. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. We all know that story and it's been heralded abroad for many, many years. Look at verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord, notice there's one angel, it's not angels, it's just one here. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, that is around the shepherds, they, because it was just one angel here. And they were sore afraid. Verse 10, and the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings, good tidings of great joy. I want you to notice here the good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. In other words, God had brought some good news for you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord or the Messiah the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You should find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel, singular, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying. Now here's a whole barrage of angels that fills the sky. And a whole bunch of them now saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And man, what a worshiping statement that was. Heaven was saying, the greatest news you have ever heard has come to mankind. It's been, it's been talked about, it's been prophesied about, it's been spoken of in the Old Testament, and now it's here. The Savior is born. Praise the Lord. And uh, then they, 
goes on to say here, verse 16, they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. They went out and said, hey, Jesus is born. The Messiah is born. The Savior is born. Now, what a happy day. What a great thing for the human race. What a great thing for Israel. What a great thing for the people. And they noise it abroad and they rejoiced and they shouted with glee. And it was a time to rejoice and praise the Lord and be glorious and be happy about it all. And then when Jesus was eight years old, as was customary with the Jewish people, they took him then to be circumcised and named. This is brought out in verse 25. And it says here in verse 25, when all this was to happen in verse 24, it mentions about it. Uh, I'm sorry. It talked about him being uh, circumcised and named in the, uh, uh, in the 21st verse. And then after uh, Mary's period of waiting for her purification, uh, then she, she brought him to the temple at the time of purification, which was 33 days later. All right, I'll just save some time here and go to verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. This is at the temple now, whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and about waiting for this consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now, verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed him and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Salvation. In other words, I have seen with my own eyes now your fulfillment of bringing to mankind, to the, especially to Israel, the salvation of the Lord. Praise God. And he was at peace he was happy. He was rejoicing. Praise God. Now, in verse 36, while they were still there in the temple, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, or Asher as it's pronounced in the Old Testament. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years after her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. Now, the age here would put her, if she had been married, at, if she married at the age of 15, it would put her at being 106 years old here when Jesus was born. That you can figure it more or less if she was, if she was 14 years old when she married, she'd be, she'd be 105 when you figure it up from there. Anyhow, it gives you an idea. If she was uh, six, uh, 17, she'd be 108 years old. It depends on what age you would put her at being the age she got married. But it says that she, uh, uh, at the time of her virginity. Anyhow, it goes on to say here in verse 37, And she served the Lord with fastings and prayers night and day. And verse 38, And she, verse 38 now, coming into the, that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And I want you to get the picture here of the happiness and the joy, the angels in the sky, and the shepherds running around. He's here, he's here, he's here. And I want to get you the picture here of them going, and here's a guy that shows up that comes off the street that's got the Holy Ghost all over him. 
And the Lord says, here's the redemption of Israel. And he picks the baby up and holds it. Oh, I can't believe this. And then here is Anna, who's been in the temple praying for years and said, now I've seen the salvation of the Lord. Look at the joy and the happiness and the spirit of God involved here. Now, I want to turn you over to Matthew for a moment. Matthew chapter 2, Luke 2. And Matthew and Luke are the only two books that records the birth of Christ. And we talked about this last week. I'm going to be very brief about it. But in the second chapter in verse 1, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, uh, where is he that we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him? All right, so they've come to worship Jesus. They've seen the star. I want you to see all the things going on that God is doing at the birth of Christ because the greatest thing that ever happened to the human race happened at, at, at the first Christmas. It happened. The Messiah has come. The redemption for Israel and the redemption for all mankind that would receive it. Praise the Lord. It happened. It was there. He was born a babe in a manger. Praise the Lord. The Lord had fulfilled his word. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting, and so forth. The Everlasting Father, the uh, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All friends, and I'm quoting Isaiah 9, 6 there. And it goes on to say here that these wise men came. Now, look at verse 3. There's a little turning point here. And this is where we're going with this. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. Oh, it's time to rejoice, Herod. It's time to praise the Lord. It's time to give thanks to God. But he's troubled. He's troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Because he had them all worked up in a lather, I guess. Verse 4, when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. And then he quotes, of course, from the scripture, Micah 5.2. He quotes Micah 5.2. I'll, we'll look at that in a few moments again, too. But he quotes to them that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So, they all of a sudden, they all knew that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, the Messiah. And all these people who were the chief priests and all of these. it says here verse 4 that when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together they knew what those prophets had said they knew all about this messiah that was coming and he said he's going to be born in bethlehem and herod said oh well okay and he says the wise man when you found him let me know because i like to go and worship him too and when they went and here's what it says about the wise men when they finally came I'm going to pick it up here in verse uh, 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Oh, everybody is happy. And everybody is praising God. And everybody is grateful. And everybody is thankful. God hasn't forgotten the human race. You know, Adam and Eve sinned and we've got all kinds of problems in the world, but our Savior has come. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing that is. And then in the 12th verse, 
And then it goes on to say they gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Verse 12 is being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. That was because God gave them warning that they weren't like to go back to Herod. Because Herod says, oh, come tell me so I can go and worship him likewise. He lied. The devil always lies, folks. Don't believe the devil in anything. He lies. Believe me, he, when he opens his mouth, he lies. If anything contrary to the word of God is Satan behind it, and it's always a lie. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that God's word is true. Now, here's what happened then when that happened. Catastrophe happened. And I have a reason for talking to you about this today. Look at verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof. The coast here not, does not refer to sea coast. It means the surrounding areas or the, the, uh, the edge of the city, around the edges, the, even the places where people lived on the outskirts of the city. And they killed all the children in, in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. And out of this wonderful and glorious and, and wonderful event, God having given mankind the hope that he had, comes this tragedy. Tragedy caused by a man who did not want those people worshiping somebody else. He didn't want anybody worshiping Jesus. He didn't want anybody worshiping Christ. He didn't want anybody worshiping nobody. He wanted everybody to look to him for everything. Herod was a wicked man. He had several sons and even two of them he had killed himself. Because he thought they may, want, they may get the throne and have him thrown off of it. So he had him killed. I mean, he was wicked. I mean, wicked, wicked, wicked that guy was. And uh, I'm just trying to tell you here that as beautiful as the Christmas story is and as wonderful as it is, there is still evil in the world and there's still wickedness in the world but don't let it stop you from rejoicing don't let it stop you from worshiping praise the Lord because that's the enemy's tactics if he can keep you from worshiping if he can trouble you if he can send grief upon you if he can give you heartache if he can give you bad reports if he can say oh what are you worshiping about this is going on that's going on that's going on that and it'll always go on but jesus praise the lord still has brought salvation to the world the greatest hope that man ever had praise god now, this is an interesting thing i talked about Micah a while ago and i'll take just a moment here to show you this in the book of michael micah where it talks about the, the where jesus would be born this is Micah 5, 2. This was the verse of scripture that the uh, scribes and the uh, priests told Herod that he'd be born in Bethlehem. Here's what it says in 5, 2 of Micah. Micah lived uh, several hundred years before Christ. It says in Micah 5, 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he... Come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Praise the Lord. That means that Jesus Christ was God Almighty. 
Praise the Lord. That's what that means. In other words, when Jesus comes, he would be God manifest in flesh. Here's an interesting note about this. We read the second verse. Let's look at the first verse. Now, now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. That's talking about the crucifixion. That's a prophecy of what would happen at the crucifixion. It doesn't say the crucifixion. But we know by reading in Matthew 27, 30 and in Mark 15, 19, those two verses that, that when Jesus was to be taken and be crucified, they took a, a reed and they beat him and slapped him on the face. They plucked his beard out and they beat him with a, with a reed, just like the scripture said they would do. And they shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. They beat him on the face with one of the reed is a... Uh, it's like a it's like a, a fishing pole, you know, the little cane cane fishing pole, you know, it's a reed. And they took it, they had reeds like that, and they took it out of the the Nile River or around the rivers and the edges and so forth, and they beat him with one of them things. And so I'm just trying to tell you here that right in the same passage of scripture where it talks about his birth, it talks about his crucifixion. So that what Jesus is coming would bring joy to the world, but it would also bring grief. And suffering would bring that. Jesus said at one place that came not to bring joy, but to bring a sword. I'm going to tell you here today that we've got all of it. Why are you saying all this, Brother Myers? Because you and I are to keep praising him regardless. And that's what the Lord wants us to know. I don't care what comes your way, keep praising God. Just keep praising the Lord. Things may, you may have ups, you may have downs, you may have troubles, you may have problems. But just say, God, I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep on worshiping you. I'm going to keep on lifting up the name of the Lord. Because things will come our way. Let me show you something here. And this is, what, this is the hope that Jesus brought to the whole world. He brought this wonderful hope, praise the Lord, that man can be saved. It was the greatest thing that would ever happen to the human race. And the devil hates it. He hates Jesus came. He hates that he's worshipped. He doesn't want you and I to worship God. You've got to understand that. And things that come our way, whatever they do, and our greatest fight, as Paul said this, I've, 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 I've fought the good fight, I've kept the faith, I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've kept the faith. I keep believing in the Lord. I trust you, Lord. I believe in you with all my heart. And I'm going to keep worshiping you. I'm going to keep glorifying you. I'm going to keep thanking you. Because God will prevail always in the end. That good things will always prevail. Let me, uh, let me uh, refer to something here over in the book of Exodus for a moment. This is interesting. This is whenever Mo the Lord told Moses, Moses, I want you to go into Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now follow me here on this. This is Exodus chapter 5 verse 1. And it was Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. In other words, let them go out and worship God. In other words, in Egypt, the gods, Egypt had their own gods. So he says they have to go out of Egypt in order for them to worship God. And Pharaoh said... Who is the Lord 
that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. He was arrogant, haughty, high-minded, about like the same spirit that Herod had, you know. I'm not going to listen to God. I'm not going to listen to nobody. I got my own mind. I do what I want to do. Verse 3. And they said, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest we fall upon, he fall upon us. Excuse me. <coughs> lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Verse 4, and the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do you, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? Get ye under your burdens. In other words, I'm not going to let you work. I'm going to put you back in your burdens. Now look what happens. Now things don't get better. They get worse. You shall no more give, verse 7, you shall no more give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. In other words, the children of Israel were slaves, and they made brick to build all those buildings and things in Egypt, probably a lot of pyramids and things. Golden Meir told the president of Egypt one time, we built those pyramids for you, don't forget it. <laughs> That's why they've lasted so long. We built those for you. She's talking about when they were in slavery down there in that 400 years. But nevertheless, anyhow, he said, now, I'm not going to provide straw for you to build the bricks. They put straw in the bricks to hold it all together. But he said, you got to get your own straw. In other words, I'm going to burden, I'm going to double your burden on you. Look, that's what it says here in verse 7. You shall no more give the people straw to make brick as hitherto. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of the bricks, that is the, the amount, which they did make hitherto, you shall lay upon them. You shall not diminish the tail aught thereof, for they be idle. They got too much time on their hands. All they're thinking about is worshiping their God. They got too much time on their hands. Therefore, they cry saying, let us go and sacrifice to your God. He knew they didn't have a lot of time on their hands. He was just making it hard on them because they wanted to go out and worship. Verse 9, let their, uh, let their more work be laid upon the men. And then I'm going to move, jump to 17. He said, ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and do sacrifice unto the Lord. Go ye therefore and now work, for there shall no straw be given you, yet shall you deliver the tale of bricks. In other words, it's going to be more work, more work for you to do, yet you've got to produce as much as you've always produced. And the results of their request to worship God was to receive more burden. Was receive more burden. Now, let me just talk to you a minute here, folks. I'm going to just talk to you from my heart. If we are not careful, we can get so busy with life and so caught up with the cares of this world. The Bible talks about how the sword went forth and so and some seed fell on this ground, some on that ground, some on that ground. And some of the people, they weren't bad people. It doesn't say that they fell away from God. They just got bogged down with things. The cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches is another one. And just trying to chase and go and go and go and go and, and do and do and do. I have no time for church. I have no time to worship. I have no time to spend with the Lord. I don't have time for a personal or private devotional time. When your life gets so busy with the cares of this life that you don't have time to just take a little time and talk to Jesus. 
every day and talk to him or read your Bible some and have devotion. And I know our, this church promotes those things, but each of us individuals can just let it slide and we don't really follow it. We hear about it. We know we should, but boy, I just wished I had more time to do it. I just don't have the time. And if we're not careful, the God of this world, you understand what I'm saying? The gods of this world, I'm talking about the, the powers of darkness. They can try to heap things on us until we do not have time to worship God. But if we will praise God and worship God and glorify the Lord, it's amazing how much peace that we will have. And how much of the joy of the Lord that will return to us or come back to us if we don't have that. I'm just trying to tell you these things because the Lord wants us, amen, to worship him and not give up on the precious value of worship that God has ordained that we should all have. Excuse me, my belt buckle here is coming loose. Excuse me. So God wants us to worship him with all of our heart, glorify the Lord, and not let the powers and the darkness of this world, amen, cause all of that to be pushed out of our lives. And so, of course, the Lord went on to show Pharaoh who he really was, that he was a God of everything. And finally, he said, get him out of here, leave and go away and you, you've got your wish and so forth. But I'm just trying to say here today that just like Herod did not want those people to leave. And also this, uh, this uh, Pharaoh did not want the children of Israel to leave out of Egypt. And Pharaoh did not want them to worship God. That's the kind of spirit that's in this world today and the things that is upon us. Praise the Lord. But Jesus came to help many people, folks. He came to do a work, a great work in the world. He came to help people. Uh, we have to keep worshiping Christ. We've got to keep glorifying him. I have some, uh, I have a couple of newspaper, not newspaper, they're uh, Kippinger Letter articles here. I, I get this Kippinger Letter thing, and it's a, it's a newsletter that comes out of Washington, D.C. once a week. Just a, it's just a letter. It's got four pages to it. They tell you everything going on in the world, the latest information, everything happening. And it's not always a bad story. They tell you, you know, good things, and they tell you how things sometimes are progressing and all that. But sometimes there's some bad news in it. And I'm, gonna sh I'm just going to read just a little of this to let you know that there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world today. And uh, here's what one letter the week before last said. The Pentagon has a cyber security problem. The Pentagon, that's our defense system. Its high-tech weaponry is growing vulnerable to infiltration by increasingly sophisticated hackers. The weakness of America's cutting-edged armed forces are at stake. It goes on to talk about, and I won't read all this, it talks about all the potential dangers. What they did, they hired some professional hackers and said, see if you can break into our system, and they did it. And when they did it, it scared the daylights out of them. They said, if our guys can do it, then people in other countries can do it. And they got very concerned about it. And uh, they said that the Pentagon is struggling to recruit the talent it needs to fight back. Cybersecurity specialists can earn $200,000 a year in a private sector. But if they go to work for the government, they only earn about $86,000 a year. So nobody wants to work for the government you know, that can do that kind of stuff. That's really high tech. So they don't go to work for the government. The government can't get these real high tech people. And so it goes on to talk about all the problems. It goes on to finally say, China and Russia have already proved their ability to wreak havoc in cyberspace. 
China has targeted U.S. defense contractors and is ramping up its cyber espionage. Now, when I read that, I realize America is not as safe and is not as secure as we may think it is. That's bad news, right? That's bad news. Here's another one. This one came out this week. This is this is uh, has to do with uh, the deficit. This that's the the debt that the U.S. owes. Though it's not a tipping point yet, the budget deficit is becoming worrisome. There's a little hope it will be it will be reined in anytime soon. The gap between income and outgo in 2019 will be a whopping one trillion dollars. In other words, uh, what we are spending is more than what we take in. And it goes on to say the picture will worsen over the coming decade. Uh, it says here that meanwhile, Medicare is projected to face funding cuts as early as 2016. That's just seven years from now. And the ditto for the Social Security in 2034. They're going to start cutting Social Security in 15 years from now. And it finally, it says, unfortunately, any effort to get deficits under control is a way off thing. Neither party will okay the needed spending cuts or tax hikes before it absolutely must. It's the old Washington way. Keep kicking the can down the road until you run out of road. And so I'm just trying to tell you here, folks, that America is not that safe. And you, we read things like that and we say, you know, uh, where are we going with all that? But let me just say this. I read in this Bible that God will keep his hand on the righteous and he will be with his people. And I'm trying to encourage you today. I don't care whether you read a bad report here or you hear some bad news coming. Just say, God, I'm going to keep worshiping you. And I want to just say here to all of us today, let's purpose, let's purpose really to be a child of God and serve the Lord. This Christmas time, and you've got all kinds of busyness out here and all kinds of things happening. I heard a friend of mine call me yesterday and told me about a, a, a pastor's wife up in, up in Jay, Florida, the pan in the north of Pensacola, Florida, was killed in a car accident a couple of days ago. Here at Christmas time, you know. I mean, we hear the, the, the people suffer from those kind of things. There's bad news that happens. But in all of that, let's keep praising God. Let's keep worshiping God. I want to encourage you to become a worshiper like that's our battle. That's how we fight. That's how you defeat the devil. If he can keep you from worshiping, if he can make you so sad, so unhappy, so worrisome, so heartbroken, so financially busted. Be careful about spending so much money at Christmas time that you've got to pay for it all year long. Be careful about it. The highest interest rate you'll ever pay is in credit cards. Them credit cards. They're, they're designed that way. That's why they try to get you to get another one, get another one, get another one. You know, you'll get a free this and maybe six months, no interest, all that, and then all of a sudden, wacko, it comes. But I'm just saying all these things that may come our way, let's keep worshiping God. Hey, folks, don't let, the, don't let anything keep you out of church. I'm serious. Go to church. And when you come to church, don't let anything keep you from worshiping. I've seen people in church balancing checkbooks. Oh, I have. I've seen them doing it. They sit back in the back. Preachers preaching or song service going forth or, or people praying or whatever's happening. 
and they're balancing their checkbook because they're so busy they don't have time to do it at home. They have to do it at church. And everybody else is doing this and praising God and they're doing this. Or they got a cell phone out. That's more the common now than the checkbook thing. That used to be that used to be maybe ten years ago or twenty. But now it's the cell phone. They get in the back and look around look at the cell, you know. Everything like they cut off the ringer, then they can text messages and back and forth, where are you? I'm here, I'm doing that, and they do that kind of stuff. Be careful that your children don't get into that mode. I'm serious. But when we go to church, let's put all of that away. And let's say, God, I'm here to worship you. Hallelujah. I'm here to give you the praise. I'm here to glorify your name. I'm here to lift up your name. Glorify the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you, there's all kinds of things that will take our time, take our attention, that will take our, uh, our thoughts and will cause us to, to be worrisome. And that was a terrible thing that happened in, 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 in Matthew chapter 2, where all those children died. But it, it didn't stop the word of God from going forth. It didn't stop Jesus from continuing his ministry. It didn't stop Jesus from saying, well, I'm going to preach the gospel and I'm going to do what I was sent here to do. And I'm going to do it. Now, I want to read you another verse of scripture. And this is one that when John the Baptist, and here's here, the end had come for John the Baptist. He had been preaching, turning the world upside down, all Israel. Jesus was ministry had not yet begun. Finally, Herod, this was not Herod the Great, but his son, Herod. This other second Herod had John the Baptist thrown in prison. Had him thrown in prison. And uh, so when John was in prison, this is found in, it's also found in Matthew, but I'm reading Luke 7, 19 here. John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, Art thou he that should come or look we for another? I'm in this prison. <clears throat> I'm, I'm suffering in here. I don't know if I get out or not. I don't know what's coming down the pike. Everything is bleak. There's no rejoicing in a prison. You know that. And he had said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world when he first saw Jesus show up, you know, in his preaching. The next day he said again, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And now he's in prison. Everything is bleak and dark. And there's no, sing there's no singing. There's no worship. There's no happiness. There's nothing going on in prison. And John, who does not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but he's been moved on by the Holy Ghost, he starts saying, I, I think Jesus is the Messiah. I, I hope he is. I've been saying that he is. And he starts doubting because of the environment that he's in. So it says here, John called to his disciples, said to them, are they that should come? Are you the one or should we look for another? So they went to him. And they went to him and said, John said to ask you, are you he that should come and look me for another? Verse 21, I'm saving time here. And that same hour, he, Jesus, cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And, all, and all unto many that were blind, he gave sight. Verse 22, then Jesus answered and said unto those two disciples, them, go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And when the word came back to John, he said, that's him, that's him. 
Nobody could do all those things he did except that be the Messiah. And he rejoiced and praised God, glorified God. And down the road, John was taken out and eventually beheaded. But John knew that it was all okay because he had eternal life. This was the Messiah that had hoped for Israel and for all the world that had come. Now, I'm telling you all of that so that you can understand here today that many things could come our way, folks. But don't ever stop worshiping God. When you come to church, praise the Lord. Be, make, make it your determination. I'm gonna, it doesn't mean you've got to run the aisles. It doesn't mean you've you got you to be louder than anybody else. But don't come to church and just sit there and hang your head and think and think and worry about it and worry about it. Every man. And you know, uh, somebody says that you better, come, you better come early to our church because all the back seats fill up early. <laughs> you know, get up, close, get up close to the altar. Praise the Lord. Amen. Get up close. Get up close, get close to the spout where the glory comes out, you know, and that spirit begins to fall around these altar services and so forth. But I'm just saying, come to church to worship God. And let's, let's do that. It's Christmas time. It's a time to be joyful. And let's praise the Lord. Let's worship God. And let's say, God, I don't know what tomorrow may hold. I don't know what's going to happen after the first of the year. I don't know what's going to be down July from now, you know. I don't know how things may go. I don't know what the... If my job's going to hold up. It's all kinds of things. I don't know if America's going to be in trouble. I don't know if, if we're going to have war with somebody. I don't know if, 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 you know, I don't know all about the defense system. Hey, watch, be careful of the news. Be careful of the news. All that news stuff coming out over the airway, it'll, it'll make you feel, my God, we're in a mess. The world's getting in trouble. Oh, what's going to happen? You know, if you, you watch one news and you say, Trump's the worst guy in the world. Oh my God, how did we ever get a president like that? And you watch another news and you think, well, thank God for, for Trump, uh, but everybody else is, is bad, you know? I mean, it, it just, it goes weird. And I'm just trying to say, sometimes you got to push it all aside and say, God, I'm a child of God. You have saved me. I'm going to be like those people when the message came. He's come to save us, praise the Lord, from our sins. He's our Savior. And just say, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm on your hands. Uh, you're stuck with me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to stay. Praise God. And I'm going to help everybody and anybody I can to come to him because that's where the hope is. That's where the peace is. That's where the joy is. There was no joy that came with anything else. It came with Jesus. Praise the Lord. And he's here still. He's here. Amen. They, they tried to get rid of him. He was crucified. But he came back three days later in the perfect will of God. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Sometimes I'll explain to you that scripture where it says, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Somebody says, "How that generation did pass. No, no, no. Because Jesus is that generation. He's still alive. As long as he's alive. That's why we have the, the dating system we have. You know, with this is 2013, 2018, excuse me. This is 2018, and it's because it's 2018 years after Jesus was born. Praise God. That's what all that means. So we're still in that generation of Jesus' time. I'm just trying to tell you here today, just keep on praising God. Keep on worshiping God. Keep on giving him the praise and glory. Keep on helping people. Praise the Lord. And uh, Jesus did not stop. He did all these fabulous works wherever he went, praise the Lord. 
Keep on, you know, doing whatever you do and God will bless you. He'll keep you. He'll never forsake us. Amen. And one day the trumpet will sound. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand together and give him the praise and the glory. And let's just thank God together here this morning for his goodness to us all.